This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. Everyone I talk to on this show is someone I follow or was told to follow online. Most of the conversations you'll hear are with people I have never met in person, yet they've impacted how I think. What does it look like for Christians to enter the chat thoughtfully? Let's grow together on Viral Jesus. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. I have been absolutely hysterical waiting for you all to listen to today's episode. I have been like a kid with a secret and I am just so excited that today you finally get to hear it. I am such a fan of Christine Kane. She endorsed my book last year, It's Not Your Turn, which was a massive moment, a full circle moment for me because I was being mentored through her online sermons while I was bringing that book into reality. Christine Kane is honestly one of the reasons I believe in even Viral Jesus. I believe that there is such a thing as online mentorship and that we can be deeply impacted in our real lives because of what we're seeing somebody else do through a screen. Because honestly, Christine Kane did that for me. If you are expecting to just be filled to the brim with mentorship knowledge and hope and wisdom, I'm just going to be honest with you. This episode is not going to disappoint. Make sure you take a moment right now and share this episode with a friend. You know how I feel about pod classes. You can listen to it alone, but you have to discuss it with someone. That's how this stuff will stick and actually transform our lives. I'm a teacher. I know how learning works. Our program only grows if you share it. And that is how we quite literally can make the principles of the gospel and the beauty of God's word and how it is still relevant for us today go viral is by sharing podcast episodes like this one and we learn through discussion. Also, today is the last day, by the way, to send me your screenshots of your online review that you left for Viral Jesus. There is still time. Haley will email our winner tomorrow morning, February 24 and connect with you about how you can collect your $50 gift card. We're going to give away a $50 gift card. Remember, all you needed to do was take a screenshot of the review that you left for our podcast, either on Apple Music or Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and then send that screenshot. Send us that picture to hello to Heather, hello to Heather at gmail.com. You can also just send us a screenshot of your posting the podcast with a link to your story on Instagram or directly to your social media feed on Facebook or on Twitter. You can even just text it to a friend. Every screenshot you send us is a separate entry into the drawing. And today is the last day you can enter that drawing. Thank you so much for helping make Viral Jesus go viral. And I can't wait to pick a winner for the $50 gift card. All right, are you ready? 
for hashtag blessed, where we look at a current topic facing all of us with social media and decide whether it's a hashtag bless or a hashtag mess. Today, I asked my real life friend, Caitlin Guyverson to join me. Caitlin Guyverson is from New Jersey, born and raised, but is currently living in Columbus, Ohio. She serves as the director for digital marketing at the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Caitlin, I wanted to talk to you today about online fandoms. You and I are both a part of the Taylor Swift community. We all know what happened with the Eras tour. I still have no ticket, Caitlin. I scored one like on accident yesterday from a I can't believe it. I, I am I'm happy for you. I am happy for you. Thank you. I, I still have no ticket. I waited in the queue forever. And I'll admit this, fandoms totally take on a life of their own. They are almost irrational to any type of criticism <laughs> about the celebrity they are supporting. We can be totally unreasonable. I know that. For example, we just saw at the Grammys, Harry Style wins a Grammy for Album of the Year. The Beyonce fandom totally goes irate. They are furious. They are actually booing him as he gives his acceptance speech. Caitlin, what do you think? Are fandoms a hashtag blast? Is it great to be in community? Or are we all angry and unreasonable and have created a hashtag mess? What do you say? It's hard to like land in either category, like most things in life. It's like a little bit of both, both right? Yeah. So for me, (laughs) none of my friends around me are as big of fangirls as I am. And so when like new albums release and you know, Taylor does her thing where she just like drops announcements out of nowhere. It's so fun because I can connect with people and like, we're all experiencing the same thing at the same time and enjoying it and and like embracing it. And it's really, really fun. However, on the other side of that, like you hinted to of like, sometimes we're just a little irrational. And I think it's so cool because my whole thing is like, I think my purpose on this earth is to like encourage people like, I find the most joy in my life when I am watching people do what they are made to do and I can cheer them on and support them in that. And so I'm a fangirl in my blood, not just for celebrities, but like for everyone. That's why we're friends. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Me too. This makes so much sense. And I honestly believe this. I have this thing. You know how people say like you're more bonded by what you hate than what you love. I will say for me, it's not true because I, if I find out that you also love Taylor Swift, I don't need to know anything else. Yes. You and I are forever connected. I feel like you get me. And that's the fandom culture that we've created. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. It really is. So, but the (laughs) the flip side of it is like you said, we sometimes, which can be really dangerous in certain situations where we always expect and hope for the best in someone, but no person is perfect. (laughs) We know that. Um, I make mistakes. Taylor Swift makes mistakes. It's really unfortunate. <laughs> and so there's just sometimes where our own like protective nature can really cause harm. And I think, you know, the Grammy situation with Harry Styles, I'm also yeah. a big Harry Styles fan. I'm not as much of a Beyonce fan, but like her and the caliber of work and talent, like homegirl has it going on. And so absolutely in those situations, there's like very real understanding of artists, like black artists in this category have been snubbed of this award for years and years and years and years. There's totally that reality. But at the end of the day too, like 
Harry Styles, to my knowledge, didn't have anything to do with gaining this award <laughs> other than making a great album. And on the flip side of it, Beyonce literally had a like record-breaking history-making night. And so right. I get it because I've been in positions too where I'm like, don't you dare come at my girl because blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, like we have to see yeah. the both sides. And even I think like within the Taylor Swift fandom, I see people talk about like how, oh, like I'm not a big, like, you know, everybody loves this song. I, I like, this is a skip for me or, oh, everyone, like, I thought she looked great in this outfit and somebody else is like, are you kidding me? That was the worst. And even then I'm like, can we support people? Like, it's like what your mom used to teach of like, if we don't have something nice to say, just don't say it at all. And so that's where for me, I think overall it's hashtag blessed, but we have some work to do to get rid of some of the mess that exists. Yes. I mean, I can own... It is very mm-hmm. difficult for me when somebody talks badly about Taylor Swift. I will, I'll take it too far. It makes me feel like you just hate women. Like you just yes. don't like successful women. I, that's yeah. probably not true, right? But my right. brain can't separate them because I'm so deep in the fandom culture. Hey, as Caitlin said, nobody's perfect. We all have work to do. What do you think? Have you ever been attacked by, I was, we didn't even talk about this. Maybe I'll have you on another time. I was attacked by the Carrie Underwood fandom. What? Today. We see there's a whole story to that. Fandoms, are they a hashtag bless or can they be a hashtag mess? You decide. If you want to respond to our hashtag blessed segment today, if you have your thoughts on this topic, we would love to hear from you. Just type into your search bar, whether on Instagram or Twitter, type in at viral Jesus pod, and then just put a hashtag blast on the end of whatever your comment is, and we will see it. We would love to enter the chat with you. Friend, I am not exaggerating when I say today's episode changed my life, has been transforming the way I think and see myself ever since I had it. I have been repeating Christine's words in the conversation you're about to hear to myself over and over again since she said them. I don't want to wait another second. So I just want to introduce you to Christine Kane. Christine Kane is a speaker, author, and activist who has been serving the local church globally for over 30 years. She and her husband, Nick, founded the anti-human trafficking organization, the A21 Campaign, which works at the local, domestic, and international level to end modern day slavery. They also founded Equip and Empower, a ministry that is mobilizing people everywhere to live on mission for Jesus. Propel Women is an initiative of the ministry dedicated to coming alongside women all over the globe to activate their God given purpose. Christine is the best selling author of more than a dozen books and studies. And you can tune into her weekly podcast or television program to be encouraged with the hope of Jesus wherever you go. This is going to be episode two of our podcast series called Lessons from My Mentor. You can pause if you didn't hear last week, so you can go there. We had Jose Rojas, who is my real life mentor on last week. This week, episode two, we have Christine Kane. Again, pause this episode, share it with a friend, and talk through what you learned because I'm telling you, these conversations are going to be so rich. Here is the moment 
we have all been waiting for, Lessons from Christine Kane. So I love to do a little bit of stalking on the internet, which for you, I've been stalking you for a very long time. It was not just for this interview, but you posted this on Instagram and it was like a carousel. So you have to swipe through to read them, but I'm just putting the first slide and I'd love you to expand on it. You say this, is my prayer really going to make a difference? The short answer, yes. Can you talk to us about that? Because I know somebody is listening right now who is saying, I, Christine, I have been praying the same prayer for seven years, for 10 years, for 20 years, and I don't see anything. How do we speak to those moments of our life where we're in the silence of God over a prayer that we just keep repeating? Yeah, Heather, I love that question. Here's the deal. You know, you said we're in the silence of God. It's not always silence. Um, Mm. So yes, there are definitely times, there are prayers in my life that I'm still, I'm 56 years old. I was saved when I was, you know, 21. And so this has been a long journey with Jesus. So there's a few things that I can stay very consistently. I've been praying for 35 years and Mm. I'm like, okay, has this come to pass because to me, I haven't seen the outcome that I want right now. Let's use an example, you know, one of my family members that still hasn't come to faith in Christ and I've been praying for them for 35 years. But I can't say that God's been silent in all of that because in 35 years, God has been doing some very amazing things in their lives and most of which I'm unaware of. But he also gives me glimpses of things where I think, you know, God, you're working, you are answering my prayer. I just want a particular outcome displayed in a particular Mm. way that I can see right now. Um, I don't think God ever doesn't answer prayers. It's just that there are different seasons in it um, that, you know, sometimes we are in a waiting period. Sometimes truly it seems like God is silent. But I think more often than not, God is working and either preparing us or the situation for what he's already prepared for us. So it comes down to trusting. Can you trust God when you can't trace him? Because if we believe theologically, he is everywhere all the time and moving on our behalf, um, it's a trust issue. Most of prayer is a trust issue. You're either going to think, this isn't working. It's an imaginary friend. It's not real. I'm talking to something out in the atmosphere. Or you go, I am literally communicating with the creator of the universe. Yeah. And so there is so much I don't understand, but I will continue to trust the character and the nature of God, even when I can't trace him. And I've had to live this in 35 years, you know, in some really dark moments, very difficult moments, situations where I wish he would come through in a way that I would want him to come through very publicly (laughs) and say, you know, um, God, could you show me that you're answering? Could you show other people that you're answering? And every time, if I don't see it, again, I'm going to use a phrase, a bit of my Pentecostal background, in the natural, I can still trust him when I can't trace him in this Mm. natural world. So do you think for you then it's gotten easier in some ways? I mean, when you're walking like a darkened path, are you conscious of the fact I've been here before and here's how I've seen him here, here, and here. And so something's coming, even if I can't, are you able to put yourself in that space, even when you're in the darkened path? I think that's part of age. So yes, I I will say that. that Hey, this is good news. (laughs) I think that's part of age. 
I don't always pass the frustration test. In oh, okay. It. There's something in my life that for the last six years I have been wanting God to come through in a particular way. And I can see glimpses of answers to my prayer, but I would really wish and hope that he would answer it in a certain other way. But my frustration is really what the issue is in that. It's not that I don't think God's going to come through or isn't even coming through. But my conversations sometimes are like, I know you are either going to vindicate me or you're going to come through for me or something's going to happen. But I dislike the fact that I have to go through this silent process or these silent years. So then the issue actually shifts from the thing that I'm praying about to what is happening in me, which is very God, very God of like, how about we get to what this really is, Chris? And so I am learning to trust more. I remember once a mentor when I was younger, back in Australia, I had a very visible life even then. I was the director of our denomination's youth movement. So it meant, you know, as a young woman, I was speaking in large platforms around Australia, youth evangelism, that kind of, very unusual for a woman back in the 90s the 1990s, as in last century. But a mentor had done a teaching series on the wilderness years. She had called them the silent years. So on the inside of me, even back then, I had this sense that the Lord wanted to do something in my life that would have a global influence. Now, back then, I had no idea that would be A21. Mm. I didn't even know that it would be using my communication gift, uh, you know, across the globe. But I had a sense there was something more. Now, it seemed impossible. There was no internet then. There was no social media then. I mean, you know, it was God. So this is a good part of that. You had to go to the prayer closet because you Mm. couldn't go to the internet closet. You had to go to the prayer closet. So you had to lay a hold of God. Um, So there was something in my spirit. Mm. But I remember she gave me that teaching series and she said, Chris, these are your wilderness years because you're extremely frustrated because there are prayers you're praying that you believe God's put in your heart. You're not seeing those things come to pass. And to everyone else, it looks like your life is, you know, either very visible, significant, whatever words you want to use, public, we, you know, put, insert whatever word you want. She said, but these are your silent years. They're just very loud, silent years. And there was something on the inside of me then um, that really understood that God works very differently with everyone and people are always going to have a perspective of your life, but you can't let that impact you. It still comes back to you and God and you trusting God. And it doesn't matter whether you have a visible life, what other people would perceive to be a very, you know, a a public life, whatever word you want to use, successful life. If you're really still really in it with Jesus, you're always on the edge. You're always trusting. There's always a degree of tension and frustration because you wish God would come through in a particular way and he's constantly teaching you more through what appears to be unanswered prayer about your own character, your own trust and your own spiritual formation. So, you know, prayer is more than a shopping list and it's more than living frustrated about unanswered prayer. It's about who you're becoming and how you're learning to trust God through the process of prayer. You know what I love about you sharing that is I am the recipient of the nudge that the Spirit was giving you back then. You're going to have some global impact, right? And it's easy at that time we're thinking like, you know, you might be thinking stages or just mass people, not Heather as a person. 
And I am now sitting here as Heather as a person. And I can remember sitting in my duplex in Denver and just being incredibly um, discouraged with what I felt like God wasn't doing in my life, what I had felt like I was called to and I couldn't see it. And I literally like YouTube recommended your sermon to me, anointing well, verse gifting. Yes, do. do you yeah. remember that sermon? It was life changing, Christine. I am so honored and lucky to look you in the face right now through the computer screen and tell you thank you for that message because I'm telling you, it's very rare, I think, that we hear from the pulpit something that actually like transforms us in that instant. And with you and that message, it did. And it has lasted with me for years and years. It was transformative for me. Something you say in that sermon is, we don't need to be discovered. We need to be developed. Can you expand on that for our friends listening? I think so. And I think, you know, probably so pertinent in the age that we're living in where everyone wants to be discovered. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, again, the tradition that I come from is that promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east or west. It comes from God and God Mm. opens doors that no man can shut. And the truth is, I think when you consider yourself more a minister, of course, I'm not talking in the context of ordination, but I'm just talking about Christian ministry. You know, that could be a grandmother in the back of no one, you know, praying with somebody, listening to someone. So for me, my calling has never been a career. It has always been a ministry. So I haven't looked for how am I going to advance my career? Who's going to discover me that's going to be able to promote me to the corner office? Therefore, I've never seen green rooms as a place to, you know, be able to further my career. I've never seen uh, not even my social media as a place where I'm trying to build a brand. I mean, I I don't even like that language, but, you know, um, I've never seen it as that Everything is an outflow of who I'm becoming in Christ. And ultimately, I want to lead people to Jesus and help them break free. Of course, that's, you know, with my past, that is so central to who I am. And because anointing can only happen in the crushing. I mean, that's the, you know, where is oil produced in the, the crushing? When you're trying to get discovered, you're unwilling to be crushed. What I mean that is like to become humble, you know, which happens to take your time to allow God to open doors. Because if you put yourself somewhere, Heather, you have to keep yourself there. Now, if you're cognizant of the fact that there is a real spiritual enemy, you don't want to be anywhere God hasn't placed you. God is not obligated to keep you where he's not placed you. So Mm. if God has placed you somewhere, God will protect you. God will anoint you and God will empower you to be able to do what he's called you to do in that place. Now, when you confuse prominence with significance um, or platform with ministry, then really you're looking at this as a career, not as a ministry. And so it becomes dangerous, like spiritually. If you truly believe there's a spiritual realm, if you truly believe there is an enemy, if you truly believe that the enemy wants to still kill and destroy, I don't want to be anywhere God has not placed me. And I want um, a, a supernatural anointing from God. You talk about that sermon and something happened in real time in your life that still is sustained today. Well, I could tell you, it doesn't matter where I go. Last year, I ministered in 21 countries. That would be very normal for me. You know, over 35 years, I've preached all over the globe from Qatar to Pakistan, Africa, you know, uh, South America, uh, Southeast Asia, all across the world. And it wouldn't matter where I go. It wouldn't matter if it's an airport, if it's a, a ministry. Somebody without exception, will always say, Christine, when you spoke that message 20 years ago, 
and they'll yes. tell me what I spoke. And because something happened in the moment. Well, that is what I call anointing, not five yes. tips, not a TED talk, not, um, no, I'm not dismissing the validity of those things, but for what I'm called to do, um, it means that I have to go through a lot of pressing and a lot of crushing. So again, some of this may be Pentecostal talk so that an oil will flow. And I truly believe that. So I truly believe then out of that comes a supernatural power that connects with where a person is at. And yes. the Holy Spirit, of course, is the one that does the work, not me. But um, if I truly um, believe that, then something happens. When you're in a world that just wants to be discovered, you will do anything to be discovered. Uh, you mm. will compromise to be discovered. You will take shortcuts to be discovered. And here is the problem. If you don't go through, it, it is the process that prepares you for what God has prepared for you. If mm. you try to bypass that process, you won't have developed certain spiritual muscles that you're going to need when you're in a certain place in order to fight the enemy and to fulfill your purpose. And so if we have a generation that is suddenly discovered, and I mean, you see this across any area of life, somebody wins the lottery. Well, they don't have the normally the capacity to know what to do with all of that resource that they've suddenly got it. And the statistics would show, you know, within two or three years, they've lost right. everything that they've just won. It becomes a curse. I've seen it, the dots. Of course it is. Because yeah. we, and it's not because they're bad people. Right. It's because you don't have the muscles you haven't developed those muscles to know what to do with that kind of resource in order to sustain it, to keep it, to multiply it, and to use it for good. Well, it's the same when it comes to ministry. If you're not being developed in the process and allowing God to come in and do a work in your heart and to bring healing and restoration, then any brokenness in you, if you're prematurely put in a place and the spotlight that is on you is greater than the light of Christ that is within you, it will destroy you. Mm. And not because you're bad, but because you're vulnerable and the enemy will always go for your vulnerabilities and he knows your vulnerabilities better than you. So as frustrating as it is to wait, you know, I think in that example of that sermon you're talking about, I'm saying that, you know, the age we're living in, in social media is the snap and upload, you know, yeah. like I, I snap a picture on Instagram, I upload it. My family in Australia is seeing that in three seconds. Well, in my era, we had Kodak cameras and we had film and you had to go into the dark room and it went through nine chemical processes so that the image, the negative was strong enough when, so that when you opened the door of the dark yes. room and hit that film, it wouldn't destroy the film. What we have mm -hmm. is a whole lot of undeveloped people being exposed to the light too soon. Yes. And so it is quenching the film. I know as I'm saying this, you know, people are kind of going, well, that's okay for you, Christine. Look how visible. I understand that. But I wish, you know, people... Some people think like, where did you come from? I'm 56 years old. I've been doing this for 35 <laughs> years. Most mm. of the beginning of that, there was no internet or social media. So this is not just me saying this. I somehow had a revelation. I think it's because I had very good spiritual mentors early on that said to me, if you still want to be doing this in 60 years, and it's not a matter of do I want to be doing it, do I want to cross that finish line and hear well done, good and faithful servant, not well started, good and faithful servant, you know, wow. um, it, you're not, I don't want to hear well begun. I want to hear well done. And so a lot mm. of us don't think of the finish line when we're waiting to be discovered. All we're thinking about is the here and now and the temporal. But if you keep an eternal perspective, you'll endure a temporal process. And ultimately, if you truly trust God, 
God will take you further than you can ever take yourself. God will take you further than any other person can take you. God will take you further than any institution can take you. And God will make you look better than any gift or talent will make you look. And so I've proven that in my life. There is no way I am the most gifted or the most talented. God just makes me look better than I am. But I'm Mm. utterly dependent on him because actually, Heather, I have so few natural skills. I mean, I have to work really hard. I can't sing. I can't dance. I'm not cool. I don't have any tattoos. I don't wear cool clothes. I don't really even wear makeup. You know, I'm like, I've got nothing going for me in that. So if I don't have anointing, I have nothing. Mm. So when I stand on that platform, I feel such a confidence in God and the authority God places me that then I'm not as tempted to be a man pleaser because the same crowd that this week is applauding you and saying, Hosanna, next week we'll be cancelling you and saying crucify you. And I think we're seeing that played out in the public space now. So you have got to go deep with God and make sure the development process happens before you step into every phase. And that development, like currently, you know, I'm doing my demon. I'm 56 years old. I went back to school five years ago, did my master's, um, and then I'm I'm now doing a demon. And which a lot of people would think, why would you do that? You know, with with what is happening. But at the end of the day, I might have been, let's just say, in, in where the Lord's taking me from, you know, faith to faith, from grace to grace, from glory to glory. Let's just say I was at a level six. The degree to which I am willing to become, and at a level six, I had a, a 10 skill level, very accomplished, very confident, very comfortable. Mm-hmm. I was a 10 at a level six. The degree to which I was willing to become A one at a level seven Mm. is the degree to which I'll be able to be developed at a level seven to then be prepared for level eight for whatever it is that God wants to do. Again, this has nothing to do with prominence. It has more to do with significance. I mean, most of the most influential work that I do, nobody knows about because I can't post it. I can't post about what I'm doing in Pakistan or Qatar or the Middle East in terms of, you know, proclamational ministry or what I'm doing with A21. Most of the most significant rescues and court cases that we're fighting, there is no way I can put them on social media. So most of what I think they get the most eternal rewards for, nobody knows that I'm doing. And I remember once my mentor, I was speaking at this big event. um, I was uh, in another country. There was about 500,000 people live at this event. And the way they measure it is, you know, with helicopters by square footage of football fields. I don't think it was exaggerating. And I basically just halved it then in what I said to you so that I'm not in any way exaggerating. And I remember it was a, a very powerful meeting. Many, many people, hundreds of thousands came to faith in Christ. And, um, and in that, there was just this great spontaneous moment where people broke out in applause and there was a lot of affirmation. I was on this, I came off the side of the stage and my mentor said, Chris, she just held me there. And she said, I want you to look at this. And she goes, I hope you're enjoying this. And she goes, because you know, in about 60 seconds, that applause is going to stop. And those people are going to turn around and go home. And that is all the reward you are ever going to get. You just got your entire reward for this. So, Chris, you better be doing Mm. a lot of things that nobody knows anything about if you want to be storing up any rewards in heaven. And it stuck to me um, as a young minister way back all those years ago. Mm. And so the challenge is when you're living a very visible life um, and what would be perceived to as a public life, that you continue to ensure that most mm. of the most significant work that you're doing, nobody 
other than God and who needs to know, actually knows about it. And I I think I could say that with all integrity to you at 56, most of the most significant things I do, people don't know about. And so it amuses me sometimes at how much attention people pay to some of the stuff that I do out there publicly that I think, wow, that is probably the least portion of what I do in my ministry life. This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19, and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder, can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, World Relief's monthly giving community, you partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org slash viraljesus today. My first phone call from my mentor, he called me and he said to me, you know, before God takes you somewhere, he brings you someone. And that's why I'm here. And at the moment for me on that call, I had never heard anything. I didn't even know what was happening. And so ever since then, I've just wondered, is that true? Our podcast series right now is on mentorship. Is that what happened to you? Did God send you someone or did you seek someone? What did that look like for you in your experience with mentorship? Yeah, the Lord literally and throughout my life um, has literally constantly sent people that are further down the road. Mm. A few of those, you know, if I gave you their names, you would know them. Many of those, nobody would know them, but the most godly Mm. people, both men and women, um, that may you know, that nobody would know. And in my case, I've had several like quite supernatural ones. I'm in the back of Australia. I mean, a youth pastor, you know, and God sent what was then one of the sort of most visible, well-known ministries in the world to Australia to speak at a conference. And I happened to be the driver um, because I was a female. And this person was a female who at the time was possibly the most known woman minister on earth. And um, out of driving her, and, you know, we had many conversations because it was 45 minutes to the venue. So for a week I was driving her forward and back, forward and back, which incidentally she treated me with as much dignity then as as I'm going to be with her next week. She's now 80. And I always spend three days every six months with her just with a tape recorder telling me, okay, what should I, at 80, you still love Jesus, you're still married, your kids love Jesus, your grandkids love Jesus, Um, you are still producing incredible revelation that is still reaching hundreds of millions of people around the world. Tell me you've gone through a lot of battles, you've gone through a lot of attacks, you're not cynical, you're not jaded, and you still love Jesus. Tell me your secret. Every six months I'm recording. What is it that keeps you going? So and out of that moment of just being her driver out of nowhere, 
she invited me. I, I had even no idea because, there, again, there was no internet as such as we know it today. There was no social media. So I'm in Australia. We didn't even have Christian TV. We didn't have Christian radio. We didn't have Christian anything. So we're so secular. So I'm just like, you know, the, again, I'm, I'm very attracted to anointing. And so um, I don't care uh-huh, if anyone uh-huh. knows you or doesn't know you, but if there is an anointing upon you, I, I will do anything. And the last day I was driving her, just sort of offhand, she goes, you know, I'd love you to come and speak at my conference. I've got no idea. And I, I mean, I'm like, who am I? You know, I'm, I'm like a youth worker. So that was my wow. first trip to America. So she invited me in 1998. And I went and I didn't know what I was walking into. And I walked into a conference with 55,000 women. So this is my case. God goes, 20 years in the backside of the desert, nothing. And then suddenly, and all of my suddenlies have taken about 15 to 20 years. So every single one of them. And so 15 to 20 years of anonymity and obscurity, um, faithfully doing what God's called yes. me to do. And then there is a suddenly. Now, where people latch onto you is the suddenly. Be very careful of the people that latch onto you on the suddenly. Okay. People that will either begin to admire or criticize you at the suddenly because they don't know all of the stuff that's gone into that. So they're just viewing it through the lens of a suddenly. So often if it's critical, it's because perhaps they're dealing with their own thing right. of, of thinking, well, I'm better, I'm more gifted, I'm more talented. And I say to everyone all the time, you are more gifted, <laughs> more talented, you are better. I didn't put myself here. Right. God put me here, which takes all the pressure off me yes. because a lot of people get really nervous because, again, if you're looking to be discovered, you are so pressured that if you sort of like, great, i got this opportunity and i got discovered, I've got to make it work, you're not even thinking about the people you're ministering yes. to. All you're thinking about is am I going to be good? It's all about you. Yep. Am I going to be good enough and I'm going to be? But I learned very early on, once I'm invited somewhere, I've got nothing to prove. The invitation is what validates you. Once I'm there, I am there to minister. Mm. So it's not about, I don't think about me. I don't think, am I better? Rarely a better communicator. I'm certainly the least trained formally than most people where I'm at. If I was going to start evaluating, oh my gosh, I'm the least trained. I'm not the best communicator. Man, I've made so many mistakes. I've blown it, you know, um, whatever. Then the the root of that is pride. All I'm thinking about is me. But once I understand that God has placed me there, the invitation has validated me to be there. I have one job when I'm there and that's to minister to the people that are there. And that just takes all the pressure off. So then I don't walk off and go, was I great? Was I the best? Um, Was I anything? It's just, did I do what God had called me do. And I have found by having that lens, 35 years later, by God's grace, I'm still here. Like who would think a 56 year old chick from the back of Australia with my kind of background and my kind of skill set would still 56 years later across every stream, whether it's young people, women, church, adults, social justice, evangelism, dozens of countries all over the globe, you couldn't sustain this out of your own ability. No, nobody could do that. Um, it has to be calling and a God. calling is not a career. So you don't, mm. um, and I, at 56. Talk to us about that. Wait, wait, wait. That's going to set somebody free. Okay. Calling is not a career. What do you mean by that? Well, of course not. I think in the world that we're living, we're, even our language is all about I'm building a career. I do mm-hmm. understand a part of that. But I think even if you're not in any kind of vocational ministry, say you're a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a professor like you, yes, undergirding the actual function, title, task is a calling to Christ ultimately. Mm-hmm. Therefore, 
even in whatever you're doing, um, whether it's, you know, and I, I, I would see things a little bit differently to other people. I don't really think there's a demarcation between sacred and secular. I think we only have one life. It's the yes. life that we live in Christ. Therefore, whether you're a professor at a university like you or, you know, doing what I'm doing, we're both ultimately Jesus followers. We're both yes. called to follow Jesus. We're both called to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him as I believe is every doctor, lawyer, nurse, you know, janitor, whatever it may be, we're one body, many parts, um, we're called to him. And then we're called to reach the world, I believe, you know, like I, yeah, obviously I'm an evangelist. And yes. um, so however that's expressed and reflected. So a career, I do understand that in the world that we live in, in the way society is built, in the West, because if you went to Pakistan, the, a career for a woman sounds very different to a career for us here in North America. Mm-hmm. So again, to me, if it doesn't work for the woman in the village in Pakistan or South or South Africa, it's not like some sort of universal biblical principle for everybody. It's like everything mm. that I say, it's got to work there as well as it works here. Otherwise, I'm just culturally adapting things. So when I use the term career, I mean, it's a real small amount of the world's population that can even use that kind of language. You know, I've got staff in Ukraine. They're not thinking about a career right now. They're thinking about staying alive. And um, so calling has to be a bigger umbrella than career. What is God calling us to in this moment? So in the West and particularly in America, where it seems like you can make a career out of your Christianity, in many (laughs) countries that I minister, you can't make a career out of your Christianity. To proclaim you're a Christian you're not going to get a, a book deal or get invited to a conference. You're going to lose your head or get put in prison. Mm. So that is the, that's your career as a Christian. You're going to probably die. And wow. so you, so to me, I'm always filtering it through those 20 lenses all at once. I can work within a system. So I understand that, but it certainly doesn't drive me. We are called. We're not called to build a career. We're called to follow Jesus and then to lead other people to Jesus. Uh, We're called to fulfill the great commission and to outwork the great commandment. So that's what we're called to do. Um, If I'm thinking that my goal in this life is to constantly move up to the right, to get the corner office and then think I've achieved, I've really, really misunderstood what this whole thing is about. If in my vocational Christian life, I think, and I'm using that language because I'm in America because it makes me laugh because I just think I'm very much into the priesthood of all believers and we're all called and we all, you know, and so in this context though, if you're thinking about it, like I'm building a career, therefore I'm here. I deserve to be here. I'm like, oh my gosh, the minute entitlement starts to sit in, the minute any of us start to think I deserve God needs me. I'm better than them. I mean, we've lost the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And there's such a lack of wisdom out there right now, Mm. especially in social media. But that's because I think fundamentally we've lost the healthy fear of the Lord. So when you understand I'm here as a servant, and again, you could take all of this language and you could still use it to, you know, only the Lord knows the heart at the end of the day. You can still use it to make yourself sound like I'm not yeah. really pursuing anything. I'm just serving God. But if in your heart of hearts you're truly doing this for God to see the kingdom advance, then at the end of the day there's a degree where you should be unoffendable and you should not be entitled because mm. everything is a gift from God. And if God chooses to use you, you either believe God opens doors that no man can shut or you don't. You either believe promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east or west 
or you don't. And so if you have a career mentality, you think it's up to you because we build our careers. We yeah. build, you know, we put out our resumes, we knock on doors and we, and there's a degree of a healthy aspect of that. But then when it kicks over into a place where it becomes a workspace, everything, then it's like works. I have to do this as opposed to, I feel God prompting me to do this, you know, to further yeah. his kingdom. But I think I've just never felt the pressure. So even at 50, I didn't feel weird going to grad school. I mean, I was in with kids that are younger than my oldest daughter, you know, like, like uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. so, and here I am with a global ministry. I have 19 offices in 15 countries around the world. I literally speak face-to-face to millions. I mean, not literally, you know, every year in stadiums around the world. But I thought, I don't know why, but at 50, I felt, Chris, give this decade to study because mm. at 60, I need you to be in a different place mm. for whatever I've got for you. And, you know, if the research is right, my most fruitful decade of ministry will be between 60 and 70. If I don't blow it, my most second fruitful decade will be 70 to 80. So my wow. most fruitful 25 years are actually ahead, ahead of me. Of and this that. is, I'm in my third most fruitful decade right now. So I'm operating in third most fruitful decade. I better be trained in this for what will become my most fruitful decade. And God willing, if I'm healthy, still on track, my second most fruitful. So that puts a smile on my face because I'm like, man, why would I be winding down? My best 25 years are ahead of me. My most fruitful 25 years are ahead of me. And I've been through some stuff and sure, I've got some scars and some bruises and I've tripped over and I've made mistakes and gotten back up. But all in all, truly, I I feel like a Caleb spirit who at 85 said to Joshua, Joshua wanted him to cash in his 401k and retire. And he said, hang on a minute, I'm as strong now as I was then. Moses promised me Hebron. We've done a lot of good stuff. We came out of slavery. We saw the Red Sea part. We saw manna from heaven. We survived when everyone complained and we survived out there for 40 years. We saw the walls of Jericho come down. We took the promised land, but I'm not done because God promised me Hebron. And I feel like that. It's like, man, I've had a good ride for 35 years and not flawless, but a good one. And I'm like, oh, the best 25, but it still means I've really got to be in it. So I'm back and I'm studying and I'm doing everything I was doing and then carving out, you know, a lot of time to be able to do this. It's very, still very new to me. I'm, you know, like you're like a business student sitting in your office going, okay, this paper. <laughs> but, but I love it because that, that posture yes. me in a learning. And of course, I bring 35 years of experience of to every paper that I'm writing to. So, of course, my lens is different, but man, I'm learning. And a lot of that was I have a 21 year old daughter and a 17 year old daughter. And I thought, if I do want to be able to minister, for the next 20 years, I have got to understand what's going on in our world in this way. So there it is. So kind of like, you know, as long as I'm living the process of developing constantly, God seems to continue to give me increasing reach and increasing influence. And, you know, I've got no one sitting down trying to work out algorithms. Like, it's not even like that. It's like, I feel it in my spirit. Um, and it frustrates everyone on my staff because I'm like, I mess everything up for them because I'm like, you know, I'm sitting in bed. I feel it. I pick up my little notes page. It looks terrible. And I just type something out of my spirit. They are the single most engaged, shared. Mm. And people will go, oh my gosh, you posted that thing. You're reading my mail. It's a thing that got me where I am. Yes. It's that prophetic feeling it. And even with all the technology of social media and whatever, and I laugh at all my beautiful Gen Z and millennials and I go, mate, 
you're either going to have the anointing or you don't because and and they just it frustrates them to no end uh, because I'm like nothing beats an anointed message from God in due season yeah. it will override any algorithm it will override any shadow banning it will do anything because if God's on it God's on it let me ask you that then when it comes to social media do you mm-hmm. feel like we can get mentorship online or through YouTube University. How do you think that works? Yeah, you know, I would be loath to say you can't because I'm dealing with this with my own daughters and going, like, I hope it does because of the sheer amount of time they spend online. Right. <laughs> so, um, so what I'm saying is it may not work for me as much, but I'm 56 and have a lot of other ways to do that and do have a lot of access globally to a lot of things. Uh-huh. So I, I understand that. Um, I would say that if you feel any sense of um, ministry, again, I have yeah. the whole word influencer is a little bit problematic to me because in in Romans, in Corinthians, I don't see that as a spiritual gift. So I'm always looking for where does what you're doing fit into the spiritual gifts? If it's going to have spiritual power, uh, if that's what you're claiming to want to have. I'm not saying if you want to be a you know self-help guru, whatever, that's fine. But if you're claiming, I want to minister to people for Jesus, I want to see people transform into the image of Jesus, yes. then you ought to have the spiritual gifts, like they ought to be, you know, it ought to come into alignment with that. And sort of influencer is not in that gift mixed. You know, there are lots of different gifts that we can all have. So I would say that I hope so, because I've taken so much time with my girls to really talk them through a whole lot of that kind of stuff. So a lot of their mentors are in person. They do have that. What I try to do, Heather, this is the best way. And, you know, there's no cut and dried rules because everyone feels what they feel. So I have chosen um, because of the global nature of my ministry and I've people, I mean, I keep using Pakistan, Qatar, but I'm just using that as an example, you know, it could be, you know, Guatemala as well. Like, and because of the diversity of what I do, we plant churches in Eastern Europe. A21 is a huge global organization working with all the major, you know, organizations in the world. Um, and with what I do for women through Propel, For me to get caught up online in any one sort of debate would be really problematic because something I say here that might specifically pertain Mm. to a situation here in America could have really negative ramifications for my offices Mm. in Thailand or Cambodia or at the moment in Ukraine or Russia for that matter. You know, like, so I'm always thinking through that lens. I'm never thinking through, now, would it perhaps grow my whatever you want to call it I don't know influence or numbers or right. well, possibly because if you want to get into anything contentious for a minute it's going to blow everything great the damage I could do and the the safety issue that some of that could be for some of my other offices places countries that I go in and out of that people don't know it would cause a lot of problems so for a 10 second dopamine rush or a 10 second trending rush is it worth the long tail of my ministry. No. So am I then willing to be misunderstood or maligned because I'm not going to get into whatever the trendy thing is right at this moment in the American small little evangelical world arguments? Well, yes, yes, I guess I'm willing. I've got you're going to pay a price one way or another. And that's the price I'm willing to pay so that I can continue to have effective ministry around the globe. 
Christine Kane is a speaker, author, and activist who has been serving the local church globally for over 30 years. Christine, my tagline this season for Viral Jesus is to encourage people to enter the chat. So at a time when social media has a lot of negatives around it, I hope that our show is training people to do exactly what you just said, which is to pause and think before you're posting because you might be the only Christian on someone's feed. And so how are you influencing them? My question to you is how do you choose, you personally, to be a redemptive voice in the online space? Yeah, I think, you know, everything is filtered through the lens of faith, hope, and love. So Mm. is what I'm about to post full of faith? Is it full of hope? And is it loving? And that would even mean when I'm posting maybe sometimes some really challenging things about human trafficking. You know, obviously I lead A21. So. Um, And you can't be speaking loudly about everything all the time or nobody's going to listen to anything. Mm. So I've chosen for me, um, I will speak with faith, hope and love about Jesus, freedom, healing and wholeness. And I will speak about faith, hope and love about trafficking, abuse. Obviously, that's, you know, my my area of activism. But even when I do that, and talk about sometimes some very painful things, it's still always going to be filtered through the lens of am I building up people's faith? Am I speaking hope? So am I not just speaking shame, guilt, and condemnation? Am I giving them hope and practical ways forward? And is it undergirded in love or am I venting? So the minute I cross over to venting, if I'm looking, if I'm addressing issues of justice, am I looking for justice or am I looking for vengeance and vindication? And if I've stepped over to vengeance and vindication, then I've stepped into God's territory because vengeance is mm. mine, says the Lord, and vindication is God's. Justice is something that I have to fight for. Now, in the justice space, that's a really fine line to tread. And, you know, you have to be in the word. You have to be just constantly asking God, am I coming from a place of justice, faith, hope and love? Or have I crossed over to offense, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, vengeance, and vindication? Once you've crossed over there, you're in sin, no matter what your motives are. Mm. It's those things are sinful things, according to scripture. Um, So I want that space. I want here two other lenses that it is, you know, my daughter's a junior in high school. Many of her friends follow me and my next door neighbor are not Christians and love Nick and I. Mm. I mean, she comments on my stuff almost more than anybody. So I know <laughs> to a degree, every post is bringing her one step closer to the Lord um, or causing her to think Amen. or whatever it might be. So again, I would always be saying lens of faith, hope, and love. Love that. And what would Kim and Bailey, who is my daughter's best friend, if they read this, how are they going to read this? Um, and that's the deal. And if it is not going to connect with them, I'm not. I'm really not going to post it. I'm not going to jump in on a dialogue someone else is having online. If I have very strong feelings about some things that are being discussed online that are really important, well, I'm in a position where most of, a lot of those people I know, a lot of those conversations I certainly can be involved in offline, so I am. And I say to myself, Chris, if this matters this much to you, and I really can, I could be in a hundred different conversations with the people face to face. And so if I'm posting this, am I really doing it so that what? Certain people can see that I am posting so that, um, so, you know, right. 50% of the crowd's going to be going awesome. 50% of the crowd's going to be going heretic. What's the point? Like, I mean, especially in my case, I really then I'm only doing it for the eyes of people because most of those people I know. 
and I, they're wow. a text away or they're a room away, like truly. So I really would only be doing it for show. So that's not who I'm online for. I have access to a lot of those conversations. I'm online for Sophia's best friend at school who's not a Christian and my next door neighbour who's not a Christian. It's a hard mix, but it's like broken ones that need faith. You can make it because Jesus can heal, Jesus can deliver, Jesus can restore, and high-level Christians that are like, man, just tell me, I want to keep going. I need a shot in the arm, Chris. Um, I respect what you're doing and you're in the trenches and you're building something and I want to continue to build something. Well, I want to minister to them as well. So um, I can't be in those other conversations and be doing that at the same time. So that's what I'm there for. Faith, hope, and love. Christine Kane, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Heather. So what can we learn from our conversation with Christine Kane? Number one, when you can't trace God, can you trust him? Can you trust God even when you can't trace him? Can we trust that he's always moving, always working, never stopping advancing on our behalf? Can we trust that even when we can't trace him? Number two, Christine Kane still visits her own mentor for three days every six months. And she says she just writes down what she has learned about Jesus. Christine Kane, who is incredibly accomplished, incredibly successful, incredibly connected on her own to the Holy Spirit, still makes time to be mentored. Mentorship is not just about intentionality from the mentor. It also takes intentionality on the part of the mentee. Number three, trust the process. We don't want to be anywhere God hasn't called us. This is, I've been repeating this to myself over and over. Heather, you don't want anything God hasn't called you to. The light that is on you should never be greater than the light that is in you. You are not waiting. You are not lost. You are not forgotten. You are being developed. And I'd say the longer the development, the more sacred the mission. Trust the process. Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Next week, we will be joined by one of, honestly, probably the best mentors on the planet, Joe Saxton. Friend, there are no skips in this series. <laughs> I am so honored to bring you these conversations with such powerful, informative leaders that are around today. I am just so excited. I'll see you next week for another conversation where a viral Jesus guest talks and you and I listen so we can learn. I love growing with you on Viral Jesus. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now 
at morect.com equip.